Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. We left off last week with the basic principles and understanding of what it means to feel and, uh, and appreciate, to feel appreciation and to voice our gratitude. I want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, it's very, very interesting that in our Amidah, there is a, there is the, uh, the entire Amidah has a repetition by the leader, by the Chazan. But there's one part of the Amidah which must be said by everyone. And you'd, you'd wonder, you know, the, the reason why we say it, why, why we have the repetition, is because there are some who may not be, uh, might, might not know how to pray, so if they just say Amen after each blessing, each one of the, the 19 blessings in the Amidah, then it's as if they're including themselves in that blessing. They're including themselves in that blessing. Each time they say Amen, they're including themselves. So that's why we have the repetition. But there's one of those blessings where we all join in and say with the Chazan, and that's Modim. Modim is giving thanks. And the question is asked, why, particularly this mitzvah, this blessing, do we all repeat with the Chazan? Our sages tell us. For thanks, for giving thanks, we don't have messengers. For giving thanks, you say it yourself. And I think it's such a fundamental principle. You know, sometimes we like to, you know, we, we started talking about how the, the relationship grows when you have proper gratitude and proper appreciation. It builds a relationship. But when you, why would someone not have proper appreciation? The reason why our sages tell us is because someone feels a debt. It's a debt. It's like I feel, it's like children, you say, okay, say thank you, and they run away. Why, why do they run away? Because it's a debt. They feel, they don't want to feel obligated. They don't want to feel that they owe you something. So they run away. And uh, adults, we do the same. We'll just give a like, oh, thanks for everything. And it's one of my, my pet peeves is that, you know, I, I, I don't like to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. Every once in a while, I tell my wife, you know, you, you work so hard. You prepare so many, so many. We had in our sukkah probably over 300 people uh, eating full, like, three, four, five, six-course meals. You know, Zahava goes all out, and she's very, very special. So I, I, every once in a while, I tell Zahava, you know what, just take this weekend off, okay? I'll do the cooking. I'm not, I'm not a chef, okay? Me and the kitchen don't get along, okay? <laughs> let's, let's put it like that. And, but I, I, could, I could throw a good barbecue. There's some things I can do. By me, is, uh, if anyone wants a salad ever by, by when, when it's one of my barbecues, right? French fries is as vegetables as you're getting, okay? That's the salad, okay? So just, so that's, right? You, you, you like that, right? Okay, there we go. I'll invite you to one. It's like it, it's meat and more meat, and we'll throw in some vegetables in, in French fries, right? So <laughs> spicy fries, okay? Okay, there we go. So the idea is like this, is that I realized that do you know how much work it entails to put together a meal? Do you know how much work? And I, I, we don't appreciate it. We, we just come, it shows up, and it's all beautiful, and it's all delicious, and it's, it's, it's just perfect. And it's like we don't realize what really goes on behind, behind it. That is not only with, with, uh, with food. That's with everything. With everything. I'll give you just an example. We're sitting here in a beautiful uh, building, right? And 
we're accustomed that we would come in, it's clean, smells fresh, the lights are, are all working, everything. There's a lot of work that goes into making the place operate beautifully. And when something isn't working, everyone's very, very, very comfortable announcing their disliking to the director, to the facilities uh, committee, right? A and, but we, we, why don't we have that proper appreciation? And it's for everything. You know what? You go to a supermarket and you like the place, it's clean, you like the... P say something. Show your gratitude. And it's, it's, there's a multitude of opportunities every day to express your gratitude. So let's continue where we left off yesterday. And there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to saying thank you and to, and to appreciating. So our sages tell us that appreciation is part of kindness, and we'll see soon why. Appreciation is necessary for everything we have, and it doesn't matter if the person we benefit from is paid. Right? A worker man fixing your home, a housekeeper, even our spouse, and for sure someone, a friend, who does us a big favor. Right? Appreciation is the key to us becoming better people. You want to become a better person, the first trait you need is to properly appreciate. So we started mentioning this last week. What is a sign of love? What is a sign of love? So there are many ways you can express love. But why does flowers in a relationship between a man and a woman always express love? Well, flowers... We mentioned, I think we mentioned this last week, right? You bring a man flowers, he's like, why? They're going to be dead by Tuesday, right? And a woman doesn't think that way. Why? So there's something like this. There's something that we have to understand that there's a difference between a luxury and a necessity. Anybody know the difference between a luxury and a necessity? Luxury I can live without. Necessity I can't, right? It's very nice to have a Bentley. But if I don't have a Bentley... Life's not going to end. Bread, on the other hand, is not a luxury. If you don't have bread, you're dead. So that's a necessity. Yet, what do people appreciate more? When someone has, someone gets a nice car, they're like, oh, thank you so much. Or they're so excited. God, thank you. Like, look at this car. I love it. But when we get bread, do we show that appreciation? And if you just flipped them around and took them away, you can live without the car. But you can't live without the bread. Yet the bread is the one we appreciate less. It's, 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 it's an unbelievable thing. Love is when someone does an act that they didn't need to do. If a husband brings home flowers for his wife or a wife prepares a lunch for her child and put a little I love you note in the bag... That represents love because it is beyond what is necessary. When someone does something that is beyond the necessary, that's a sign of love. God, who created mankind, must provide a basic level of sustenance. Right? God needs to give us bread and water. By the way, this is not me saying this. the Talmud saying this. One of the blessings that we have, which is the sh one of the shortest thank you blessings, it's an incredible blessing. It says, God created so many uh, 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 
living beings and their lackings, right? Everyone needs to, to, to exist. You can't expect, put a fish in a fish tank and it'll live without you feeding it, right? You don't feed it a couple of days, it's dead. God cannot put us into this world and not give us sustenance. But we thank him for that. And then it says the blessing, and for everything that you made to liven up our lives, to make it beautiful, we thank you for that as well. Because that is a luxury. You know what a luxury is? A luxury is an apple, an orange, a banana, carrots, cucumbers. You name your favorite fruit and vegetable, that is a luxury item. Even though, it's, even though you can go to any supermarket and buy it in plentiful uh, uh, you know, quantities. That is a luxury. Do you ever wonder how many love notes God is leaving us every single day with all of those luxuries? We've established the only thing God must give us is bread and water. Otherwise, we're dead. So he's putting us into this world, not giving us basic sustenance. We can't exist. Okay, so bread and water. Even that we, we give thanks for because we love this life we live. But anything beyond that, God does not have to give it to us. That's all. I'm just giving it to you. It's like flowers. I'm giving it to you. You know why? Just because I love you. Imagine if we woke up every morning. We set our moda'ani. We wash our hands. And then we just see we go, we, go to, we go to the bathroom and we see a, a, a note on, on, uh, on the bathroom wall. It says, I love you. You open up the sink. You have running water. It says, I love you. You see your toothbrush and toothpaste. There's a note that says, I love you. You go to your refrigerator. There's those love notes that says, I love you. And all over, everything you touch, this, right? Is, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a love note from God. But God takes it one step further. There is no fruit that tastes alike, and there are no fruits that smell the same. And there are no fruits that have even similar shape. You have an orange is like this, an apple is like that, you have a mango is like this. Everyone has its own unique design. God went through every detail to say to us, I love you, in a unique way. We take it for granted. We don't, we, we don't, that's right. I say, you want, you want to feel love? Walk into a supermarket. Go into the grocery aisle and just look at the fruits and vegetables. Just look. Look how beautiful they are. It's amazing. And you have all these different herbs and spices. Not one smells alike. All unique. Just take a smell. Right? We have a blessing, by the way, for every single one of these. We have a blessing. Last night, we make Havdalah, and uh, in the Sephardic synagogue, they give out actual pieces of a branch of a of a like a little, and you just smell it, and it's like, it's so rich, it's so delicious. It, it is, right? We can take it for granted. Why did God need to give it to us? He didn't. He absolutely is not obligated to give us anything. So why does he do it? Because he loves us. All we need to do is say thank you. That's it. Thank you. And that's it the Almighty wants from us. He wants that relationship. 
He's giving it to us, giving it to us. Hopefully, he'll get that little thank you. Right. That's correct. That's correct. It, it is. It is a very. You know what? It's not because there aren't resources there. It's not because God doesn't provide for His creations. It's because you had evil dictators who didn't allow people to. And it's you know I'll tell you what's even sadder. I I spent some time in the former Soviet Union. And uh, I had the the incredible privilege of teaching and uh, being involved with incredible programs that, that, that are still going on there now. And I had some people who told me, you know, we preferred it under communism because at least we knew we got bread and water, bread and milk every day. And that was like, what? That's crazy because there there are those people who are younger who are able to work and get jobs. That's great, so they can buy whatever they need to buy, whatever they want to buy. But then you have people who grew up for forty, fifty years under communism. Every day they got what their food, they got their their ra- rations, and that was it. And then you and then suddenly communism disappears for them, and they're like, "What do we do now?" We d- we don't have a job. We don't have any skills. We don't ha- we we don't know what to do. Now we have to you know. So it, it the it's a challenge. It's a, it's a huge challenge when people grow up without understanding and appreciating. And it's um, I'm we're in the United States, and we have the biggest problems with appreciation here, not there, not there. We we it's because we have everything. It's because we have such an incredible abundance of of goodness, and we take it for granted. Yes, absolutely. And for every situation that a person has, there's an opportunity to, to uh, also give thanks and, uh, and appreciate for what it is that you have. Is it true that we're, we're more fortunate? Yes, but I will tell you. There were the sages in the Talmud who prayed every day not to be wealthy. They prayed every day, God, please don't send me financial success. You know why? Because I don't want to become an ingrate. When people start, they start making a lot of money, suddenly they feel like, you know what, everything's coming to me. It's my money. It's my... And they prayed. They prayed, please, God, more than I want you to give me money to sustain myself, I want you not to give me money so I don't become an ingrateful. And it's it, 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 living in a reality where we recognize that everything is from Hashem. Every single thing that we have is from the Almighty. I can tell you, I feel miracles literally every single day where I've had over the years so many t- deadlines and things that, you know, we have to come up with certain resources. We have to, and God sends messengers. You know, you think it's going to come from here, it comes from there. You think it's going to come from there, it comes from here. It's unbelievable. God is is always there waiting and listening and 
there to help us. So we look at we we look at what Hashem gives us much more than the necessary. He gives us the apples, the oranges, the vegetables, and he also makes them beautiful. In our prayer, in our in our grace after meals, God gives it to us with beauty, with splendor. It's a post-it note from Hashem that says, I love you. Recognize it and feel this love. You have to feel it. You have to express it. And there's no expiration to the gratitude and appreciation. There's no expiration date. You benefit from someone? I'll tell you an amazing story. There was once a Hasidic Rebbe who had a big following. And there's a man who came to visit the Rebbe who was not a scholar, not exactly what we would call a righteous person to begin with. And the Rebbe stands up for him when he walks in and he gives him a big honor and he sits him right next to him and everyone's like, what? This low life? This is the guy you're giving honor to? So the Rebbe said an incredible thing. He said, this guy once took me into his house when I was traveling and he treated me so poorly he put me to sleep in the barn with the animals. He mistreated me in every possible way. He says, but that gave me an opportunity to grow spiritually that I could never have grown otherwise. So I owe him a debt of gratitude. See, even when someone mistreats us, if we can benefit, people say, oh, that guy fired me from my job. I, I had to struggle to find, yeah, I'm doing much better now. Yeah, I'm yeah, the world opened up for me and I have a whole new career and a whole new experience and making more money and everything else. But he fired me. No. He opened up new doors for you. Send him a letter saying, thank you. Thank you for firing me. Thank you for giving me this new, new life that I have which possibly could never have happened had they not do that, done that. But God sends messengers. And we think, oh, this is terrible. Look how evil they are. Look, look, I lost my job. I had an individual called me up one day, and he says, Rabbi, and he's crying, he's wailing. He's the worst, the worst. Never had it so bad. He says, I just lost my job. 28 years on this with this company it's my life it's my dna i i bleed the company's logo i bleed the company's you know i, I am it you know the people ask my identity they know this is my identity i said to them okay i'm, I'm so sorry about 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 this it's really terrible we're going to try to help you out we're going to try to figure out a solution here i said but you know what if you're already crying it says that the gates of heaven are not closed for tears the gates of heaven of prayer could be the gates of prayer are, are sometimes sealed, but the gates of tears are never closed. I said, if you're already crying, ask what you want. And he asked for what he wanted. He wanted to stay in his region and continue to work for the company. And he didn't. He was offered a big settlement, and he didn't take it. He did not take the settlement. He says, I want to stay working for this company, but not under this leadership, under this, in, in, in the, you know. And a few months later, he got exactly what he asked for. Exactly what he asked for. And uh, I speak to him every once in a while. And he tells me, oh, that guy, the way he mistreated me. I'm like, no, stop, stop, stop. Don't say anything negative. 
I said, are you happy with what you have now? He says, oh, it's a dream. It's the best thing in the world. I said, you remember when you asked me? You told me, I said, ask whatever you want from the Almighty. You're crying already. Might as well ask for what you need, right? And he said, I said, did everything that you asked for come to, come to fruition? He says, every single thing, exactly the way I wanted it. It's even better. I said, so who's to thank? Of course to thank the Almighty. But if that guy wouldn't have fired you, wrongful termination, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. You would never have gotten to this place. So you owe him a thank you. He says, me thank him? Yes. Yes. He may not have intended it to be for your benefit, but God intended it for, to be for your benefit. We can't help but have the human element. You know what? I never really liked the guy. The guy never liked me. He never complimented. We can have all of these human aspects. That's fine. But at the end of the day, did we or did we not benefit from that individual? Get them a big thank you card. Thank you for opening up new channels in my life. Thank you for being that vehicle, that angel who opened up those doors for me. So why do people feel hesitant to appreciate? So number one is people have a selfish feeling that everything is coming to me. It happens more for our younger generation. They feel like everything is coming to them. You know, they want to have everything at their fingertips. They want to be able to talk to their devices and have the lights turn on, turn off. If it doesn't, you know, what's it worth? You know, it's just like, the, you know, the car um, should always be uh, with a full tank of gas. And if it isn't, mom, why aren't you doing your job? You know, it's like, it, it's crazy what's going on today where, where people feel like everything is coming to them. This attitude leads to a very damaging perspective of what we know as kafuitov, which is not, not only it's an ungraciousness, but also it's not even recognizing that the good we have is good. It's coming to me. I deserve it. It's mine. And it, it really is a, a, a very warped and, and damaging perspective someone comes to be a guest at your home and asks what what they can bring as much as you don't want them to bring anything right no, don't bring anything please you're my guest right allowing them to bring something so that they can feel that they are so they can don't feel that they're owing you for your kindness right it's actually the talmud says that when someone is a guest at someone's home they should bring something that to, to contribute to the meal, so to speak. But that what, what really is lying behind it is that when you come to eat by someone else's house, you feel like, I need to come to eat by someone else. I, I need to be a guest by someone else's house. Right? Can't, can't I sustain myself? It's a very interesting thing. I'll just go to on a side note for a quick second. You know, the Torah tells us that Abraham performed three mitzvahs with his guests whenever they came. He gave them achila, he gave them food, he gave them shtiya, he gave them drink, and he gave them leviya, he walked them, he escorted them out. So our sages tell us that if a, a, if a host doesn't walk his guests out, then what's left is only achila and shtiya, only food and drink. And the first letters of achila and shtiya is aleph and shin, which is the, letter, the word esh, which means fire. And potentially a devastating fire can take over that home of the host. So my rabbi asked, he says, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. You're telling me you host someone in your house. 
you bring them in, you wine and dine them, but you don't walk them out, and you're in danger of having your home burned down? I mean, that's, that's the craziest thing. So he says, no, that's not what it means. He says, what it means is that if you only feed them and drink, give them to drink, so then they're embarrassed. They're like, I needed to come onto someone else for them to feed me and for them to give me drink? Do you know what gives them comfort? When you walk them out, you're showing them, no, I love that you were here. I want to walk you out. I want to spend every extra moment with you. You did me the favor. So when you add that lamid for, for escorting, the levia, then what happens is that now it becomes an eshel. It becomes an orchard. It becomes something which is beautiful. They don't feel like they took from you, but they feel like they gave you, so to speak. It's a very fundamental idea to... to, to uh, see yourself out the door. Make sure it doesn't hit you on the way out, right? No, right? No. That, that's, right? No one wants to come someplace and feel like they're just a taker. The person wants to feel like they're, like they're, they're, they're wanted. And that's what the Torah is so careful. That, you know what, the sensitivity of someone who's coming to eat in someone else's home, you know what, they're uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I make them feel good. You walk them out and you say, thank you so much for coming. Right? Thank you for honoring us with your presence. That's, that's the specialty that we want to make. Right, Of course, a person who's a guest has to show proper gratitude. But sometimes allowing them to participate, to bring something, to do something, will help them relieve that sense of debt that they feel like, I'm coming to eat by you. Here, I'm going to contribute something towards it. Appreciation begins with recognizing what someone else has done for us, whether or not it is intentional or unintentional. So if someone did something good for us, and it wasn't exactly the most, uh, we, he was unintentional. I'm going to tell you a story, and I don't care about your politics, but you have to hear the story. It's really an incredible, incredible story. So there was a man who was driving on the New Jersey Turnpike. And he sees on the side of the road, there's a car with flashing lights on the shoulder. And he, he sees someone, someone it's, it's cold at night, there's snow on the, st- on, on, on the on, it's really cold. The car must have something, he p- quickly slows down, pulls over the side of the road to the shoulder and backs up. And he goes, so he sees it's a limousine. He goes to the driver of the limousine. He says, you need any help? He says, well, we're actually waiting for, for AAA to come, to come help change the tire. We got a flat tire. He says, I'll help you out. So he quickly pulls out his kit from his car. And this individual happens to be a yeshiva man from Lakewood Yeshiva. He learns in yeshiva. And he wants to help out another human being who needs help on the side of the road. It's a cold night. He tells the driver, stay in the car with your, with your client, with whoever's in the back of the car. Just, uh, you know, I got it. Quickly uh, un, un, unratchets the wheel and takes out the spare tire from the trunk, puts it on the, on, the, uh, on the car, closes it back up, and he's about to leave. So the, the uh, chauffeur comes out of the car and he goes to the individual. He says to him, my client wants to know your, your name and address. He wants to just thank you for your kindness. He says, no, it's not necessary. Come on, it's like another human being. He says, no, 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 he re- he's insisting on knowing your address, where you live, and uh, so he can, he can just uh, thank you. Okay. Two days later, he gets an enormous, enormous bouquet of flowers at his house. And in the bouquet, there's a note 
It says, thank you so much for your kindness in stopping in the middle of the highway on a cold night to help me with my car. Your mortgage has been paid off. Signed, Donald J. Trump. And it's a true story because I have the video where someone asked him on his apprentice, that story that was told about you, is it actually true? And he says, it's true. I did that, you know? And I think it's an incredible, what I like about it is that he has plenty of things to be busy with. Every one of us has plenty of things to be busy with. We all have a busy life. But are we willing to take the time to show our gratitude? Now, I'm not sure that I would take all of my uh, Musser messages uh, from specific individuals, um, but I think this is a, it's an important lesson. Whoever you get the lesson from, it's a worthwhile teaching. I, I th I'm not sure if I share this story, but my, uh, my mother went to pay a, vi uh, a shiva call to a, one of the great rabbis who lived in our, in our city in Muncie, upstate New York, and his name is Rabbi Mordechai Schwab. And my, it's funny because I remember when my mother, when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, my mother would sometimes pass where the yeshiva was and I'd, I'd see my mother, and, you know, playing on the playground. I'd wave to my mother. My mother would stop the car and, hey, how are you? You know, do you need anything? Everything going well? Everything's going great. Okay, great. But some days I'd see my mother and she'd be glowing. I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, I saw Rabbi Schwab today. Like she's like her, her whole, her, her whole face. So when my parents were very, very close to him. He was a really, really special man. My youngest brother is actually named for Rabbi Mordechai Schwab. That's how, how much they loved him and, and adored him. I'll tell you just an incredible side story. My father would learn with him every Sunday. They had a little chavrusa, a little study partnership. And he's you know, a sage, you know, a great Torah scholar. My father asked him, can we learn together? He said, sure. So they had a study partner Sunday afternoon. I think it was at 5 o'clock, 5.30, for a half hour. One Sunday, you know, my father got busy, whatever Sundays, however Sundays are with a family full of uh, seven boys in my house and two girls. It's a biz busy house. And my father totally forgot about it. My father did not know, know what to do with himself. He's like, he totally forgot, totally forgot. Suddenly the phone rings and it's Rabbi Schwab. And Rabbi Schwab, my father's picking up the phone and he's shaking. And Rabbi Schwab says to him, he says, please, Mr. Wolby, forgive me. Forgive me that I wasn't there today. Forgive me that I forgot. And he did not forget. I guarantee he did not forget. But he didn't want my father to feel bad that he forgot. So he called in advance and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I forgot. Please forgive me. And my father's like, I can't. You're like, Dennis. He knew that Rabbi Schwab was just being kind to him. But um, that was the special person that he was. And he was an unbelievable man. Rabbi Schwab was always smiling. I'll tell you another amazing story about him. There was once a yeshiva student. Uh, I heard this from that individual stu yeshiva student. He was once walking at night, leaving yeshiva. He was learning late at night. It was like 12, 1 o'clock at night. And he saw in the cemetery, there was a cemetery right in the corner, in the middle of non-Jewish cemetery, had crosses and everything, right in the middle of the religious community. Right? Cemetery is about uh, 100 feet by 200 feet. It's an old, an old town, and there were non-Jews who lived there once upon a time. So the student is standing at the corner, sh schmoozing with his friend. You know, They were walking from the yeshiva, heading home. 
and he sees like a, like a little ghost or something walking around in the cemetery. He's like looking. He's like, am I seeing something? Like, what's, what's, is someone walking around in the cemetery? What, is it, what does it look like? This little black thing walking around. They're walking closer and they're terrified. And they look like, is that, is that Rabbi Schwab? Is that Rabbi? So they, they ran over. They said, Rabbi, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He said, listen, tomorrow the landscapers come. They come to do, to do the, uh, between all the graves. And there's some, there's some cups and stuff that go from the street. And he says, I don't want them to think that the Jewish people disrespect the cemetery of non-Jews or something like that. So he would go every month, every week b- before the, the landscaper would come. He'd clean out all the garbage, right? Whatever it was, you know, you get a paper plate, a plastic bag or something, you know, get, you know, from the streets and it, he didn't, didn't want them to think that the Jewish people, God forbid, disrespect, you know, an open, an open area. And he would go himself in the middle of the night so nobody should see, and he'd clean up all the, all the garbage. After that, the students did it. They didn't let him do it anymore. But uh, just to tell you what a special man he was. So either way, when he passed away, my mother went to pay a shiva call. And one of the stories that the Rebetzin told my mother is really incredible. She said that when he, when his pants wore out, did I say the story last week? When his pants wore out, he would fold it like it was brand new. He would fold it neatly on its whatever creases are worn out already. But he would fold it nicely and he'd put it on his bed and he would rub his hands on it and say, thank you so much for dressing me. Thank you so much for keeping me warm. Thank you so much for making me look good. And then he'd pat move it down uh, you know, a couple of inches towards the end of his bed. And then the next night he would do the same thing. Then the next night, the same thing, till it got to the end of the bed. And then he'd fold it up with dignity, put it in a bag, and throw it in the garbage. Right? Here's a piece of, 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 of cloth. But this cloth dressed me. We were once excited to buy this jacket, or to buy this shirt, or to buy this skirt, or to buy these shoes. But now it's like it's old, so I just throw it out, throw it out, right? to show that proper appreciation, not to just, uh, you know, make light of it. There's so many ways to show appreciation. I'll tell you a story. Uh, my wife's grandparents, of blessed memory, so my grandmother was, uh, she, was uh, she was a pistol. Zava's grandmother, was, she was an incredible woman. But her husband, had, uh, he, was, he was a diabetic, and he became blind at a young age. And... Um, he wasn't able to see, right? My, my, by my father-in-law's bar mitzvah already, he was blind. And the kids, he, he had a great sense of humor, and the kids would always play with him, and it, you know, they'd play all these games with him, and he would know exactly each child. You know, he'd feel their face, and he would know exactly who the child was. He was like really a special man. Either way, one time, uh, thieves broke into their house, and they were home. So they tied them up, and my, my, my grandmother says, please, my husband is not well. He has difficulty breathing. He's blind. Just don't tie him up, please. Do what you do, but don't, don't, you don't have to tie him up. So they didn't tie him up. After the, 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 uh, after the whole uh, uh, incident happened, so they called their children to tell them what happened. And they're like, what? I, I, we can't believe it. What happened? She says, no, 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 please, don't be upset. They were really nice robbers. We asked them. We asked them not to tie up Daddy, 
And he didn't tie him up. He's such a mensch, you know? Like, <laughs> see, even, even to a thief, you can be appreciative. So, yeah, exactly. So, it, there was a story that's actually told about a, a Holocaust survivor that he had grandchildren. This is in England later. Um, and he had grandchildren who were playing with her. They saw, found a mouse or a rat, and they were, and they were like, you know, playing with it. And they, you know, we know what kids do with with. Uh. So the grandfather sees him. He says, "Please, please." He says his grandchildren. He says, "Please don't do that. Please." He says, "What's what's the matter? It's a it's, it's a rat. Leave it alone. Like let us let us you know play with it." Like he says, "When we were in the camps, and we were so freezing cold, and we would all lie together." He says, the rats would come and lay down next to us and warm us up. You understand? A rat, even in appreciation, that would warm them up, right? He says, don't do anything to the, to the rats, right? Can you imagine what a sensitivity one needs to have? And even, I mean, most of us would be, but if you've walked through Auschwitz, if you worked through, walked through, I was there in March, April, March, April. It was so cold. That's not winter. That's without snow. It is so bitter cold. Can you imagine? And they didn't have they didn't have uh, blankets. They weren't. They didn't have the res- They didn't even eat well to have enough strength to. And here he was appreciative of a rat. Like, don't 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 beat up the rat, right? Th- these rats warmed us up in the camps. There's, there's, there's a lot that we can learn. There's a lot that we can learn from, from, from these stories of appre- showing proper appreciation. We know that Moses didn't want to hit the water for the plague of blood. You know why? Because when his sister put him into the basket, what saved him? The water saved him. I'm going to go hit the water that I was saved by. I can't do that. Moses couldn't hit the ground either for the frogs. You know why? Because the, the ground helped him bury the Egyptian who was fighting with the Jew. He hit the Egyptian and buried him. He says, the ground helped me. I can't hit the ground. Imagine. You benefit from, from, from something, whatever it is. How can we... You know, it says, You drank from a well? Don't throw a stone at it. Don't throw a stone at the well you drank from. Right? We have a car, we get upset, we start hitting our car. No. We benefit from it. Right? We have to feel a debt of gratitude to everything that we benefit from. Moshe didn't hit because it hit the, hit the water. Instead, who did he ask? He asked Aaron to do it. Because Aaron didn't have that, he didn't have that same requirement that, that Moses did. The Talmud tells us a good guest says that everything my host made is only for me. They made it for me. Right? A bad guest says everything my host made, he made for himself. He had a little leftovers, he gave it to me. So the Talmud says that that's the perspective you, we need to have. Everything I see here, it prepared just for me. And the truth is, I can attest that this is true because I know that my wife... She knows who's coming, and she says, you know what? 
Last time they were here, I had this type of fish. This time I'm going to make that type of fish. Last time they were here, they had this type of chicken. I make a different type of chicken. She really thinks it through to say, I want to make something special for them. I want to make something. So you think like, oh, they just make the... Every week is a special uh, menu. Every week it's unique and it's thinking through each person. How do I make them feel something special? It's unique. It's something which is, which is uh, made particularly for them. The good o- is already there. The good that we benefit from is already there. It's our job to be aware of the good that is around us. It's there. The question is whether or not we're going to be recognizing that goodness. And that's our job. So why do we focus so much on our lacking, on our deficiencies? Why do we focus so much on it? Why are the Jews called Yehudim? We're called Yehudim. We're called Jews because of Judah. right? It also means, by the way, to admit the truth, which is interesting that these two come together. It also means to show gratitude, Yehuda, Pam Odet, Hashem, this I get thank God. It's in this week's Torah portion. This past week, where Judah is born to Leah. She has three children, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, and then she has Yehuda. But she, Jacob had four wives. He knows he's gonna have twelve tribes. So why does he why does she get her fourth? This one is beyond my share. I shouldn't have gotten this one. This is beyond. This is more than a necessity. If you have four wives, 12 children, each one would have three. But this was, this was her fourth. This was Leah's fourth. She says, Hashem. This time I received well more than my share. And that's the name Yehuda. The Jewish people are called Jews because of Judah. Because we need to always be thankful. We need to be grateful. We always need to appreciate every single thing that we have. That is our essence. I'll just tell you an amazing side note. It says that after, after Rachel was supposed to be the wife of, of Jacob, and she saw that her sister was going to be embarrassed. The night before the wedding, Laban comes up with a plot. He says, no, 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 we're not going to marry the young. By the way, Leah and Rachel were twins. They were twins. She was older. She was the older twin. And that's why she was going to marry the older twin of Jacob, which was Esau. And that's why she cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. Because he wasn't, she wasn't, he wasn't righteous. And she didn't stop crying till the last moment God comes in and saves her. Right? And it was through Rachel's kindness, by the way. Imagine what, what Rachel did. Imagine you're excited, you're engaged to the most incredible man, the man of your dreams. He's your, 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 your knight in shining armor. He's on that white horse, and he's like, wow, he's, gonna, he's, he's the everything you've ever wanted. He even worked for seven years to get your hand in marriage. And the night before, and he knew that Laban was a trickster, so he sets up a code with Rachel and that under the chuppah, under the canopy, he'll ask her for the code. She'll tell him the code. And then it'll be, a, it'll, you know, it won't be any, any, any switcheroo in, in, uh, on the process. 
Laban says, I'm sending Leah up. Leah's going to be the bride, not Rachel. Rachel sees this. She says, how can I let my sister be embarrassed? How can I let my sister go up to the canopy? Jacob's going to ask for the code. She's not going to know the code. He's going to say, this is a scam. right? You have the photographers there. You have all the guests there. You have everything going on. And Jacob's going to say, you see, Laban, you son of a gun. I knew you would do this to me. And what would happen? Leah would be embarrassed. Rachel says, I can't see my sister be embarrassed like that. So she gives her the coats. You know what she did by giving up those coats? She knows her father is a scam. She knows that Jacob did not like her father. He's not going to work for another seven years. She's ready to give up her betrothed. She's ready to give up everything she dreamt of. For what? For her sister not to be embarrassed. Our sages tell us that act is the greatest act done from between Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the tribes, Moses, Aaron, King David, King Solomon, everyone. The greatest act ever done was this act of selflessness by Rachel. She was ready to give up her entire life so that her sister not be embarrassed. And that's why if we look at the prayers, it says, It says that all of the of our ancestors said, we want that the future redemption of the Jewish people will be in our merit. And God says to Abraham, what did you do so great? Abraham says, what do you mean? I was ready to bring my son as a sacrifice. And Isaac, said, Isaac says, please let it be in my, in my merit. What, was your, what did you do? He says, I was ready to be ser- as a sacrifice. And Jacob says, let it be in my merit. You see, I, le- I lived by Laban for, for 20 years and I, I, didn't, I didn't go get, go in his ways. I stayed in your, I stayed, stayed steady. And Sarah and, and Rebecca and Leah, and Moses, and everyone says, it's in my merit, it should be in my merit. And Rachel is crying. God says, you don't need to cry anymore. There's a reward for your action. It's going to be in your merit. It's going to be in your merit that the children are coming back at, at the end of the, uh, at the end of time, you know in whose merit we're going to be? We're, by the way, you know, there's only one place in the world that was created for prayer. See, the temple was created for, 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 for uh, offerings. It was, this is God's home. This is God's place. Okay, so it's a great place to pray as well. But there's no other place that was created for prayer. You think of the the cave of the of the of the of Machpelah, right? The cave the cave of our patriarchs and matriarchs. That was the burial place of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and uh, Jacob and Leah and Adam and Eve and Esau's head, right? So they have many great things going on there. But it's their burial place. That's not wasn't made as a place for prayer. Rachel, she says, I want to be buried on the road. Because when the Jewish people are going to be leaving Jerusalem to Babylon in exile, they're going to be passing by this road. I want them to have a place to pray. Rachel's tomb is the only place on planet Earth that was made for prayer. It's unbelievable. That's right. It's nothing short of remarkable. 
to be at the place that Rachel says, you know what? Don't put me in the tomb of the patriarchs. Don't put me at some other nice, fancy, uh, you know, burial site. I want to be on the road. Derech Beit Lechem. Because when the Jewish people are going to be in exile and they're all going to be filing out of Jerusalem, running away from, from, the, the Babel, from, from, the, from the Romans or from the Greek or from whoever it is, they're going to be passing right by that road. I want them to have a place to pray. Rachel's such an amazing... So let me tell you a little bit about Leah. Leah realized that she was pregnant with her seventh child. She already had six. Okay, so now the others will have two. So she's going to have now the seventh, and it was going to be a boy. She prayed, 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 God, please make it not be a boy. Make it be a girl. And that was Dina. Please, God. And what happened with Dina? Dina was abducted. She was raped by the people of Shechem. We know that um, Levi and Shimon took, took uh, retribution. They took their, their, their revenge on the people of Shechem. They wiped them all out. But Dina in the process became pregnant and she had a daughter. And the brothers felt this daughter is not a valid member of our family. Jacob said, don't touch her. Don't kill her. They were going to kill her. The brothers were going to kill her. Yeah. So the, the, uh, so Jacob made a special, special uh, amulet for her, put it around her neck, and sold her as a slave, or, or put her up for adoption to Egypt. And she went to Egypt. Later on, who goes to Egypt? Who goes to Egypt? Joseph goes to Egypt. And whose home does he end up in to be a servant? Potipharah. Potipharah has a daughter. Who's that daughter? That's Dina's daughter that he ended up marrying. And who were her two children? Ephraim and Manasseh. What was her reward? Leah's reward. She says, give me one less tribe so that my sister has her equal portion of two so that the other concubines don't have more than her because they already had two. So let my sister have two. You know what she got? She didn't get one more tribe. She got two more tribes. Ephraim and Manasseh in the portion of Isaac, uh, of, of Joseph. I see a lot of incredible stories in what, in what, our, uh, in what the Torah tells us. And we sometimes we've got to put, put it together. We look through the Midrash and we see like there's a, there's a whole new world of greatness out there. In our Torah, we have a prayer about anything you can possibly imagine. All foods, sights, smells, things that you can hear, thunder, right? We see the wise, we see a midget, we see the sea, we see uh, a great, uh, a person of great power, right? All of these incredible sights, there's a prayer for it. And the reason is because we don't want a single pleasure to be experienced without stopping and saying thank you. Not a single experience should pass us by without us saying our gratitude. Rabbeinu Bachia, one of the great sages, says that there are three reasons we fail to see the abundance of goodness in our lives. He says number one is because we're too absorbed in our worldly materialistic things. 
we are so absorbed in our so we we don't we don't stop to think we don't stop to appreciate you know what this is a delicious coffee stop and smell the coffee enjoy it take it all in it's just three seconds the second is is that the gifts become a norm it becomes a norm it's a norm right so this is the this is the way it should be right my car always starts every morning so i don't have to appreciate when i put the key in the ignition and it turns on and then the third is we focus too much on what we don't have rabbeinu bachia the great great commentator he says we need to not be absorbed in our worldly things don't take things for granted it's not a norm it's a special unique gift I think one of the worst things a human being can ever say is open up their closet door and say, oh, I don't have anything to wear, right? What do you mean you have nothing? I, 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 it, my children know not to say that to me because that's a trigger for me. That's a huge trigger. You don't have anything to wear? You have a closet full of clothes, thank God, and you don't have anything to wear? That is the most ingracious thing a person can ever say. I have so much to wear, I don't know what to choose from. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me this challenge. The Torah teaches not to reject the Egyptians. Because even the Egyptians, they did host us for 210 years. You wonder, the two, 210 years we were slaves, we were beaten by them. But you know what? Was there any benefit? They still gave you? They still fed you? Guess what? You owe them a debt of gratitude. And that's why in Deuteronomy 23.8, the Torah tells us, do not reject the Egyptians. Even those who hurt you, you benefited from. Show your gratitude. We'll just end off here that Moses lost his role as a leader because he hit the rock from which it, pro it, it provided something great. You hit the rock. You showed a lack of gratitude. He was punished. He lost his rankings for that because there was one little smidgen of lack of gratitude. So we'll continue next week. God willing, we'll continue this topic. There's still so much to talk about. I still got pages and pages and pages uh, to talk about. So God willing, appreciation never ends. The classes will end, but the appreciation doesn't end. I'm deeply grateful to all, for all of you for coming here this week and for being here and for listening. And if there are any questions, I'll be happy to take them. But have a terrific week, everyone, and go be grateful. Be thankful for everything you have. Thank you.